want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, welcome to Constellation Truth. Uh, we've got a real special episode for you today. As Yeah, we do. <laughs> once again, we've got Bill over there. Uh, in, hey, John. How you doing? Good. How are you, Bill? Traveling good. abroad, yeah. doing, doing the good work. You know, it's that uh, we got a new uh, uh, profile pic. Oh, that's true. That's true. We got a new logo. If you guys want to go check out the Twitter, it's actually pretty cool. I like it. It's hard. You can't make a T-shirt out of it because the colors are weird. It's not actually black, but it's cool. Yeah, it was, it was a good investment. So, what are we going to be talking now, about today, Bill? Well, I want to talk about uh, a UFO counter. In 1994, September, in uh, Zimbabwe, uh, in a little uh, a school, an area school, we had over 62 children reporting an alien craft and two aliens. Oh wow! You want me to get into it? You want me to get into it? Yeah, just j- jump right in. All right. Well, you know, so it's September of 1994. Uh, 62 kids saw an alien craft outside the playground. Uh, there was no teachers. Well, supposedly no teachers. Then later on, we find out there are actually a teacher and another teacher saw, but one of those teachers did. Anyway, uh, so they saw this uh, couple of lights in the sky, and some children saw it land in uh, pretty much behind these trees. What they saw was a silver object floating from the ground, and it was a disc. They, they describe a disc. Now, I should, should mention that not all the kids said the same thing, uh, but they all had very, uh, very good similarities. Like, what I mean, they didn't say all the same thing. Uh, it's just how they reported the aliens. Uh, a lot of people reported one alien was on top of the craft, hmm. and another other alien was on the ground. Sometimes uh, they're both on the ground. Uh, sometimes the aliens looked. Uh, they didn't. They didn't describe the alien. You know, very like the same compared to others. I see. Was there kind of a general consensus on how it looked, like gray or? Yes. So uh, the general consensus is they had, you know, the oval, sharp, black eyes, skinny, uh, looked very black. Some people, uh, some of the students thought it was the clothes they had, they wore clothes. Uh, some say they were kind of naked, but you know, they're children. We're talking about two, uh, two, uh, grade two, and above to six. Okay. So, second graders to sixth graders. Oh, okay, so that's was that ages six to age eleven ish. Yeah, I think so. But a lot of four, there was a lot more fourth graders. Uh, so grade. when they were seeing the aliens, uh, there some were saying that they saw the aliens in slow motion. You know. Huh. That's interesting. Now, it's very interesting. You think like maybe there's a time thing going on there. Well, you almost want to think of the way. I mean, if you, if they're using 
gravity-based propulsion, which is kind of the, I think that's kind of the consensus in the UFO community on probably what aliens use. I mean, that's at least what Bob Lazar, who nobody believes, including us, thinks. But I think that, I mean, yeah. that's probably the most plausible explanation. And, you know, obviously, according to Einstein, gravity does have an impact on time. So it'd be interesting to think that perhaps a time distortion would be something to expect from a at least a close sighting of a UFO encounter. Or it could very well be that the aliens intentionally manipulated the time using some other type of technology. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's beyond me. But, uh, but, they, they, but the aliens, they, uh, some, some of the children saw an, like, one, like one alien with had long black hair. The other alien did. It was hairless. Long black and then, hair. Yeah, long black hair. But some, uh, but, uh, some of the children didn't re- like some reported they both had long black hair. Some reported they none of them had long black hair. Some uh, some uh, the guy that interviewed uh, the children, uh, John E. Mack, he was a professor in ch- uh, children psychology, or yeah, you, you know, he was a professional. Uh, but that he was like kind of he was investigated and then by the Harvard Medical School that he was professor in uh, and didn't really and they pretty much demoted him and made him you know they ruined his life because he couldn't take him seriously because of UFOs after this nah, yeah uh, that happens a lot <laughs> yeah and then he then he eventually died in 2004 oh. uh but so yeah, that was a sad time. But yeah, he was interviewing these children, and I have before I'm getting a little off track, tiny bit. Uh, but when he was interviewing them, he was uh, very forceful with his like questions. Like you know, he was asking like, "How did you feel? Like, did you feel anything from these aliens?" He's telling these to the children, and the children, of course, were like, "I felt scared." Yeah. And he'll ask like, "Did you feel like you need a? Did their guy take you away?" I was like, yes, they did. And I'm just like, he's a forceful. They, yeah, he's uh, guiding course. them. It's guided questions here. Uh, but, you know, there's, he could not guide how they how they drew these pictures. You can actually Google the pictures of the aerial school encounter, UFO encounter. You can Google the images, and you can see how similar each of the students uh, described their uh, incident, you know. Yeah, and uh, pretty much what happened here. Let me get, let me uh, tell you the story. Because I should probably explain that first. Uh, the sixty-two children saw the UFO land, saw the craft, you know, and they eventually ran away scared. They went to the teachers, and the teachers were like, "What happened?" And the kids were like, "Monster, alien, we don't know." And then eventually. Uh, the teachers swear that they cannot set this up because there's no way that each of these students was like you know had this elaborate plan to trick them. Uh, the principal of the school, I believe, uh, eventually had you know one by one talked to each children, each child, and was like, "Let me see what you saw." And they drew it out, and apparently it was all very similar. And uh, then eventually, uh, they got requests. And for BBC, and they got an interview set up in December. So this is a month and a half later. They got interview the children about the incident. 
Hmm. Uh, apparently, they did get on the news three days later. Uh, though you gotta, it's really hard to find that footage. And if you want, there is a uh, a Kickstarter. So if the listeners are interested, you can actually help Kickstarter. Uh, it's called uh, Aerial Phenomenon, and it's all about just uh, a documentary about the aerial school and all the students and the witnesses. Because it's kind of hard to find these witnesses now, because twenty years later, they're all around. They're not in Africa anymore. They're you know oh, yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you know, uh, sounds like a children thought the alien was sending messages, though, uh, as a warning. You want to try to guess what the warning was? What's the warning? Uh, pretty much climate change. Uh. Just like pretty much your world's gonna die if you just don't take care of it. The, the aliens said this to the children, apparently, telepathically. I should mention that. Mention that. The aliens were talking to the children tele- uh, telepathically. Hmm. Uh, though it was nothing was clear. It's just more like, you know, how the interview went down with John Emac. You pretty much made it sound like it was just all about feeling. So. Yeah. Well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, assuming the children actually said it, and it wasn't just. It wasn't just the adult interpretation of what the kids said, because you could easily see that being, you know, maybe Al Gore went over there and influenced them. Yep. And uh, what's, uh, and, and another person that I, I kind of believes our story is, uh, uh, who's the guy from the Ghostbusters? Uh, um, well, there's a, there's, you know there's a couple about? of guys from Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, you know, the, the fat guy. The fat the cool guy. guy. Cool guy. He's um oh what's that guy's name? Not Bill Murray. Yeah, not Bill Murray. Not Bill Murray. Um he was in uh he's with John Candy in that movie. What's his name? Yeah, he's the one that he's the one that thought of the marshmallow guy. He's a um he's on Saturday Night Live, he did the fish blender, right? Mm, yeah. I don't remember. Well anyway, he, he's a believer in the story because he's a huge UFO guy. I did not like, know he was a big UFO guy. He's just like, like I see these kids and I definitely believe them, and there's no way like they're telling the truth because 20 years later, these ki- these guys like now adults are still swearing to this day that they saw aliens. Well, what's weird about that is the long hair thing. I've never heard of an alien with hair except for if you're talking about like the Nordic aliens who all have blonde hair. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never but heard of a black hair alien, alien. But a Nordic alien would look more. A uh, human, yeah, and a gray alien with big, huge black eyes. So yeah, that's I've never heard of a gray alien with black hair. Just it's odd. It's very odd. I mean, it might have been some kind of mistake, a, a trick of the shadows or something like that. And yeah, I, I think that the same thing. I think that the aliens might have had hoods. Yeah, or something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know. And also, I should mention that uh, at the scene, uh, apparently, uh, the aircraft, or not the aircraft, well, maybe aircraft, uh, the craft was making a, a very loud noise, like a, a, a flute noise. The flute. So, a, blo- a blown flute. Blown on the flute, so, eh? 
Interesting. Yeah. It is and, very uh, interesting because a lot of them are uh, uh, silent. Yeah, usually they are, but, you know, if this was hovering, you know, at the playground, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's, and, like, it's landed. I wonder why, so it was, um, was it a, a saucer, a disc? Yes, a disc, so you can see on a saucer. Interesting. So, didn't you have a, you had another one that you want to talk about, right? Or is that the only one? I did, I did, but I think that's going to be the only one for okay. now, because I didn't really look much into uh, the other encounter. Okay. It was gonna get in a, I was going to go on a spiral with that one. Okay. But yeah. What? So pretty much these so-called aliens, you know, they're, the message to the children, the children that I have to send this message to, is it's world ending. Because the climate could change, probably. Okay. So. Well, so, so kind of running with that theme comes our second subject. Um, and also the theme of September, because your incident happened in September. But the, That's correct. Closer to the theme of the world ending, really. So there is a prediction going around uh, that the world is going to end on September 23rd. Uh, Holy what? 23rd? Yeah, you haven't That's heard of that? like a few days. Yeah, we've only got... Um, I don't know what today's date is. We've only got like a few days. We've only got till next next Friday, Saturday, something like that. So September 23rd, 2017, uh, David Mead is the one making this prediction. Um, and so let's let's get into it. Let's get into it and see, you know, see if there's any, uh, this holds any water. So okay. he bases this on a couple of things. He has he's a big believer in the planet X Nibiru, and that's pretty much going to be the catalyst of everything. And he says that it is prophesized in the Bible and in the Great Pyramid of Giza. Now, I do want to say that the Giza prediction seems to be the weakest. So I can't find anywhere because he basically says I decoded hieroglyphics in the Pyramid of Giza that predict this. But he's a numero he's a Christian numerologist. He's not an Egyptologist. Um, okay. Also, he never says, hey, here's the, like, I can't find anywhere where he says, here's the hieroglyphics I decoded, here's what I found, here's why. He just says, I decoded them. They say September is basically going to be the um, the time. And he also says the Great uh, Pyramid of Giza is the most accurately, astronomically aligned structure in existence, and so it lends some good credibility. So assuming that he did decode accurately something in September it would give it a lot of credibility because obviously Giza is a very accurately astronomically aligned thing and Egyptians were obsessed with astronomy and a lot of this does take place in astronomical predictions. But I haven't seen how he decoded it. Alright, so basically the the gist of it is that Planet X, aka Nibiru, is going to be visible in the sky um, starting in September, late September, and in it's not going to pass by the Earth until October, but when it passes by the Earth, the sheer force of its gravity is going to cause massive volcanic eruptions, um, and it's going to it's going to just kind of cause a bunch of cataclysms. So he says this is the beginning yeah. of the rapture, and so some evidence towards this that people are pointing to is the natural events that are occurring right now. So I mean, in in the United States, you have Hurricane Harvey in Texas, Hurricanes Irma and Jose in Florida. In Oregon, Washington, and Colorado, you've had wildfires. In Idaho, you've had earthquakes. There's sinkholes. 
all sorts of pretty yep. cataclysmic natural disasters all kind of happening at the same time. Um, people have been talking about the end times outside of this context just because of all these things. But um, yep. So David Mead claims for the existence of Nibiru, he claims that there's an astronomer he talked to who confirmed the existence of Nibiru and showed him a video of it that the astronomer had taken, but he won't release yep. the video to the public. Um, you know, I've heard about Nibiru and Planet X. I don't know how I feel about it, man. Yeah, I kind of feel like we need to do a whole podcast on it because it's really big, but every astronomer I, I, on Earth says no. I've heard that like, the Hubble telescope was supposed to be like a, supposed to be a watchful eye on planet Nibiru. It's nuts. Yeah, there's a lot of, I really don't, I'd we should do a whole podcast on it, honestly, and do some good research into it. But uh, for now, I'm just going to say that astronomers, yeah. NASA, everybody says that Nibiru doesn't exist. But we, but here's another thing, though. Um, there's, science is a liar sometimes, as, um, as Mac from It's Always Sunny says. So, um, they... Obviously, they thought Pluto was a planet. Pluto's no longer a planet. And then they said, but that's it. And now they're saying there is indeed another planet uh, called... Um, th this is not substantiating Nibiru because this particular planet is, you know, smaller than Earth's moon. But there is a tenth planet. Well, I guess ninth planet now that planet Pluto's not a planet. Um, yep. It was discovered in 2005 in the Palomar Observatory. Uh, it has a moon called Dysnomia. It's smaller than Earth's moon. The orbit is very much out of plane with the, the other planets, um, and it extends very far beyond the Kuiper Belt Zone, which is a zone of icy debris beyond Neptune, and it's in a highly elliptical orbit, which is the type of orbit that people are describing Nibiru to be in. So the idea that a, a larger, highly, highly elliptical just means it looks more like an ellipse, so it's not, the more elliptical it is, the farther from a circle it is. Um, yep. And so... The, the the notion that it's outside of the realm of possibility for another planet to exist that is in an even more elliptical orbit, so it extends even farther beyond and has a takes far, like, uh, I believe that Eris takes 557 years to orbit around the sun, whereas Earth takes one year, kind of thing. And that, that's how we get our year. So, Nibiru is outside of the realm of possibility. I'm saying everybody denies it. But let's get into the biblical prophecies, because that's basically what this entire thing is based on. Um, yeah. The Giza stuff, maybe, but he never really goes into detail like he does with the Bible. So here's what... Um, let's just start from... Start pretty early on. So, on Jesus' birth, if you remember the wise men, um, they were following yeah. a star. So on Jesus' birth, a star appeared to mark his coming. Now, what's interesting is that... A star actually did appear around the time Jesus was said to be born, called the Bethlehem Stars. Why they're calling it that because it appeared over. So, um, and it appears, interestingly enough, about every two thousand years. So the Bethlehem Star appeared around Jesus' birth in September of, or um, around that time, and it, it usually sticks around for about two years and then it goes away. But um, so it was. It appeared over Bethlehem. In September, around September 23rd ish of 20, uh, I'm sorry, it's not, no, 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 scratch that. It Is appeared that around September of of um, the year Jesus was of 0 AD. So, yeah. 2,000 years prior to that, 
which it appears over 2,000 years. Prior to that, um, it appeared, and guess who was around during that time? It appeared during the lifetime of Abraham, which is kind of the foundational guy of the Abrahamic religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And so, um, so basically, and then the next time the star is set to appear is right around September of 2015. And so that's why there was all these predictions around September of 2015 stating, hey, the end of the world, the rapture, yada, yada, yada. Um, the, guy, the guy who made these predictions, he actually claims that he never said the rapture. He said, you know, it could be the start of something, but he said there's going to be a big event for the people of Israel in September of 2015. But what's interesting is that the star sticks around for about two years. It always has about a two-year period. So if you, when the, um, when the wise men saw the star and followed, followed it to Jesus, remember, they asked the king Herod, they said, where is the king of the Jews? And Herod said, well, I, you know, I'm the king of the Jews. So what he did was he killed every baby from zero to two years old. Um, because the star basically lasts for about two years. And so he killed everybody from zero to two years because it's about it. And so this two year thing is kind of a running theme. And so the two year period he's saying is from 2015 to 2017. It's a two year window for something to happen. So it appears in right around the, the first appearance is going to be the first time. And then the second time is going to be when something happens. And so the star is sort of the, the, the sign that this prophecy is going to take place. Now, what is, the, what is the prophecy itself? Okay, so the prophecy is based on, if you Google Revelation 12 sign, it's based on Revelation 12, 1 to 6. So I, I, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and read Revelation 12, 1 to 6 directly. So, you, you know, it's not just me summarizing it. So, okay. The woman with the child. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the... Uh, of the stars of heaven, and did cast them down to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared for God, and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So, Essentially, the idea is the, the great red dragon is Satan, is the devil, and the, a lot of people interpret it as the devil is being cast down and he's trying to consume Jesus, and later on it's, it's clear in, in, in Revelation 12, it's pretty clear that um, they're referring to Jesus when they're talking about this baby, and, the, um, and so... Basically, the, the devil takes a third of his angels, and um, he is going to... There's going to be a war, basically, in the heavens between Satan, his followers, and the angels of heaven. And so, what people have tied this to, because Jesus, obviously, was born of a virgin mother, they tied this to the constellation Virgo, and so they say all this could be predicted through the constellation Virgo, and I'll admit, it's a pretty interesting coincidence that's going on, so... 
the woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and the 12 stars on her head. So, what does that mean? Well, okay, so, yeah? Well, uh, don't, doesn't uh, Virgo have a Leo right next to it or something? Yeah, so that's actually what it is. Uh, so, the constellation Virgo, um, the moon appears beneath the feet of the constellation Virgo, and the 12 stars are, nine of them are from Leo, and then the other three are, um, Mercury, Mars, and Venus. So, 12 stars oh, okay. above the head of the of the constellation Virgo. And so, um, the moon is at the feet. And then the sun is going to be passing through the constellation, which is where people get the woman clothed with the sun. So, the sun is going to be shining through that constellation there. Um, so, then the next part is, she was pregnant and cried as she was about to give birth. So... During this time, this happens pretty regularly, Jupiter is going to be traversing the constellation, undergoing retrograde motion. So it's going to be entering Virgo's womb, wherever the womb would be, in November of 2016, which it did. And then it's going to be exiting 42 weeks later. Interestingly enough, that's about nine months. That's about the human gestation period. And it will exit the womb around September of 2017. So it's her giving birth. So, oh, damn. yeah, it's kind of interesting. But interesting, and then here's another interesting thing. Um, the retrograde motion of Jupiter, right before it started, there was a comet called Borisov traveling right around from the loins of the constellation Leo into the womb of Virgo. And so, as you know, um, comets, you know the way they look, kind of look like semen. And that's kind of the idea here. Is I get it. It was this sort of representation of a divine insemination of the Virgin. And so, um, essentially what they're saying is that what's going to happen, this is a sign in September 23rd of 2017, there is going to be the beginning of the rapture. That doesn't mean the world's going to end. So all these people saying the world's going to end September 23rd of 2017 are misinterpreting what's actually being stated. Um, it could be it's the beginning of the rapture. So the, what the rapture is, is going to be the ascension of the, the righteous to heaven. And then there's going to be the time of tribulation, which is um, basically the time of Jacob's trouble and Jacob whose name was Jacob is the son of Isaac who is the son of Abraham and Jacob's name was changed to Israel and so he is basically the founder of the Jews and so the time of Jacob's trouble it, it, people interpret this as there was the time of the Gentiles which Paul uh, if you believe the book of Paul um, he he speaks of the Gentiles the Gentiles are basically the followers of Christ and then so they're going to ascend to heaven, and then the time of tribulation is where God is going to be basically dealing with the Jews, who are the people of Israel. And then after that is the the reign of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean the world's going to end, according to this guy. It means that the world there's going to be some big event happening that could start the rapture and mean something for the people of Israel, and certainly something for the Gentiles or the people of Jesus. Interesting. I don't know. Well, damn. Yeah. So I, do I need to become a Christian in order to be saved? Well, it, it depends on it depends on how you believe. If you believe the te if you believe the Pauline, the Pauline doctrine, the teachings of Paul, uh -huh. then that's basically the only way. Now, of course, if you believe the teachings of Paul, then you also believe that basically everything Jesus did. 
did during his entire life was bogus, and only his death mattered. And if you reject the teachings of Paul, people say that you think that his death doesn't matter. So, you know, pick your poison. Do you think that Jesus' life was pointless or his death was pointless? Because if his death was the only was the only means of salvation, that's all you needed, then all the good works that he taught in upholding the Ten Commandments is pointless. And Paul also talks about, oh, hey, you know... Um, did Jesus not come to replace the law? But Jesus explicitly states, I didn't come to replace the law, I came to fulfill the law. So, you know. Mm, I don't know. It's up to you, man. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe, and you know, it's up to the, uh, the audience as well. Up to the audience as well. I mean, you got a couple days left, so hopefully you figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Now, to be fair, every apocalyptic prophecy doesn't freaking come true ever. Um, that is true. That's true. And I don't know how I feel about anything having to do with Nibiru uh, causing these big cataclysmic things in October. So actually, it's not even tw the 23rd. It's uh, October. The 23rd is going to be the start when you're going to be able to see Nibiru. And then in October is when all is it's going to go down. So Okay. So we have like a, a time period. Yeah, you have a little while before volcanic eruptions and everything begin to happen. Alright, well, I'll uh, be on the lookout. I'll get lots of water. Yeah, it's a good idea anyway. You know, go to, go to My Patriot Supply and for $99, go ahead and get um, you know, food, canned food. It lasts about 25 years. Good for... Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully, uh, Trump doesn't go... Uh, nuclear war with Kim Jong-un. Yeah, I, I doubt he will. I don't think Kim Jong-un is a death wish. It'd be pretty foolish for Kim Jong-un to instigate that. And As far as I can tell, Trump is going full full Democrat and making deals with Pelosi and Schumer. So, that's beside the point. We're not here to talk politics. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fact. Anyway. But yeah. All right, well, that's all I have for today. Yeah, that's all I have, too. How are you, Jim? Yeah, we, you know, we thank you. We thank you for tuning in. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been real. It hasn't been Thanks. real fun. Um, all right, bye.